In this episode of Define Health, let's talk about why cutting calories in your diet to lose weight is a really bad idea, a practice that yields substantial health problems and even reduces or even eliminates your ability to lose weight in the future. All the forms that this can take, reduced portion size, using smaller plates or bowls, pushing the plate away, even pharmaceuticals and bariatric procedures, that is, all forms of reducing calorie intake, result in significant health problems. It can result in long-term increased risk for frailty, osteoporosis, falls, fractures, and impairs your ability to lose weight again in future. Not to mention people who cut calories almost always regain the weight they initially lost. So let's discuss why cutting calories is not just an ineffective strategy for weight loss, but can actually be dangerous, and how you can lose weight if that is among your goals, but not experience any of these adverse health problems. Later in the podcast, let's talk about Defiant Health's sponsor, Paleo Valley. Their fermented grass-fed beef sticks, bone broth protein rich in collagen, organic super greens, and low-carb superfood bars have among the cleanest ingredient lists for any products of their kind. They're also expanding their wild pastures service that delivers 100% grass-fed and finished pastured meats from a regenerative family farm right to your door. And they have more recently introduced some interesting new products, including chocolate-flavored grass-fed bone broth protein, grass-fed organ complex in capsule form, and essential electrolytes to add to your intake of electrolytes such as magnesium. Despite the fact that the science has become very clear, you'll still hear people saying things like, you have to cut calories in order to lose weight. You might hear it called, move more, eat less, advice from doctors, dietitians who say things like, Use smaller portion sizes, use smaller dishes so that your meal looks larger. Even in clinical studies for weight loss, they'll still use cutting calories, reducing calorie intake in order to lose weight. Yet the science is very clear. This is a very bad idea with many adverse consequences. Yet there are effective and safe ways to lose weight, but they're typically not used in conventional practice and most doctors don't recommend them. So we'll talk about that also. I'm going to cover a number of issues that result, number of health conditions that result when you cut calories. They're going to include a reduction in your basal metabolic rate. We'll talk about why cutting calories leads to inevitable loss of muscle mass and how and why cutting calories commonly leads to gallstone formation. So let's cover all these topics to build a case against cutting calories for weight loss. Now, cutting calories, all the arguments against cutting calories also applies to the use of pharmaceutical agents as well as bariatric procedures. So pharmaceutical agents that include drugs like Contrave or Wegovi or Ozempic are just ways to further reduce calorie intake. They reduce your appetite, and that's the primary means by which you lose weight on these drugs. Likewise, bariatric procedures such as lap band or gastric bypass surgery are ways to reduce your calorie intake. So even if it's a pharmaceutical or a bariatric procedure, it carries many of the same implications, many of the same adverse consequences on your health as just reducing calorie intake. One of the most vivid illustrations of what happens in a weight loss program achieved by cutting calories came from the participants in that TV show you likely are familiar with, The Biggest Loser. So you may recall, there's a lot of drama in that show, right? That participants did indeed lose a lot of weight. It wasn't uncommon to lose 50 pounds, 70 pounds, 130 pounds. 
And they did so by reducing calories typically to 1,400 calories per day, which is a fairly severe calorie restriction, and an extreme exercise program, exercising many hours per day. And as you saw, these people were miserable, often sobbing, because the intensive exercise combined with a, essentially a starvation diet, while it did yield upfront weight loss, is misery. It's absolute misery. You feel awful, you're hungry all the time, you're tired, and thus the emotional fireworks. Well, a university group did something interesting. They took the participants in the show and they studied them formally by testing their basal metabolic rate. And all that means is the rate of a calorie burn that you engage in just by conducting your life. How many calories are you burning? Well, they found that these people who graduated from the program regained virtually all the weight they lost even though the participants maintained a lower calorie intake and a moderate, moderately intense exercise program, but they regained all the weight. And when studied formally, their basal metabolic rate was about 23% lower than normal. In other words, reduction in calories, the weight loss, turned down their metabolic rate. Their bodies accommodated to the lower calorie intake. The lower basal metabolic rate meant that they would regain the weight even after maintaining a low-calorie intake and exercise program. In other words, this study was a vivid illustration of the fact that when you achieve weight loss by reducing calories, you reset your metabolic rate and thereby virtually guarantee that you regain the weight even if you maintain a low-calorie intake. In other words, reducing calories is misery, yes, and it virtually guarantees that you will fail long-term. Another problem that has emerged in study after study of weight loss using low-calorie intake is that you inevitably lose muscle. For every 10 pounds of weight lost, typically 3 pounds or so are muscle. So if you lose a lot of weight, like 50 pounds, about 17 pounds is muscle. Well, that has serious implications for long-term health. And it's the phenomenon likely responsible for the reduction in basal metabolic rate. It's muscle that determines much of your basal metabolic rate. And loss of muscle can turn down your, your metabolic rate, thereby making it tougher to lose weight again in future. And note that regain of weight is mostly fat, not muscle, meaning it's tougher and tougher with each cycle of, of weight loss, weight regain, weight loss, weight, weight regain, because you have less muscle with each cycle and more fat. The Defiant Health Podcast is sponsored by Paleo Valley, makers of delicious grass-fed beef sticks, healthy snack bars, and other products. We are very picky around here and insist that any product we consider has no junk ingredients like maltodextrin, carrageenan, carboxymethylcellulose, sucralose, and of course, no added sugars. And all Paleo Valley products contain no gluten nor grains. In fact, I find Paleo Valley products among the cleanest of any in their category, and they're truly delicious. One of the habits I urge everyone to get into is to include a fermented food product at least once, if not several times per day in their lifestyles. Unlike nearly all other beef sticks available, the Paleo Valley grass-fed beef sticks are all naturally fermented, meaning they contain probiotic bacterial species. And now, Paleo Valley is expanding their Wild Pastures program that provides 100% grass-fed, grass-finished, pastured beef and pastured chicken and pork, raised without herbicides or pesticides and raised in the USA. And they've just added wild-caught seafood caught from the waters of Bristol Bay, Alaska. Shipping for Paleo Valley products is free for orders of $75 or more. For more information or to order, go to paleovalley.com. 
That's P-A-L-E-O-V-A-L-L-E-Y.com. Enter the coupon code DEFIANT, not case sensitive, for a 15% discount to Defiant Health listeners. The web address is also listed in the Defiant Health show notes that accompany this podcast. And be sure to take a look at their other products, such as their organic super greens, rich with phytonutrients, and their super food bars that come in dark chocolate chip, apple cinnamon, and lemon meringue. They're low carb, of course, with 8 grams net carbs per bar. The folks at Paleo Valley have lately been busy, recently adding some interesting new products, including pasture-raised, fermented pork sticks, chocolate-flavored, grass-fed, bone broth protein, grass-fed organ complex in capsule form, pumpkin spice superfood bars with grass-fed bone broth protein for the fall season, and new essential electrolytes in powder form to add to the potassium and magnesium intake of your lifestyle. Available in orange, lemon, and melon flavors. And for listeners to the Defiant Health Podcast, you can apply your discount code for a 15% discount. The discount code can be found in the show notes. Another problem, a common problem that emerges when you cut calories, is the development of gallstones. Surprisingly, several studies like this have been performed. People volunteer to participate in a low-calorie or sometimes low-fat or both, low-calorie, low-fat diet, and undergo an ultrasound of their gallbladder to see if they have gallstones. If they have gallstones, they're not allowed to participate in the study. So participants were selected for starting out the program without gallstones. And then the ultrasound was repeated during the diet at 4 weeks, 8 weeks, and 12 weeks. Well, in these studies, a shocking number of people developed gallstones, many times as early as four weeks, and then many more over the ensuing additional time. At 12 weeks, many people had gallstones. In one site, it was over 50% of participants had gallstones. And some of these people who developed gallstones became symptomatic and had to undergo gallbladder surgery. So once again, cutting calories as well as cutting fat or cutting both calories and fat leads to a shocking number of people developing gallstones, telling us that it's unnatural to eat that way. Now, why do people develop gallstones? Well, it's believed to be due to inactivity of the gallbladder. That is, the gallbladder stores bile that it saves up for when you consume food, especially food containing fat, and the bile is ejected into the duodenum. Well, if you're cutting calories or cutting fat, of course, too, your gallbladder is inactive, and bile can crystallize, and that is the start of stones. And so even at four weeks, many people have developed gallstones when they cut calories. Another thing to become aware of is that all these methods of cutting calories, whether it's just cutting portion sizes and cutting calories, skipping meals, or a pharmaceutical agent, or a bariatric procedure— these efforts are mainly best for losing subcutaneous fat. There's two fat depots in the body, two general fat depots. Subcutaneous fat, that's fat in your buttocks, thighs, calves, arms, neck, and face. And the other compartment is the abdominal visceral fat. That's the fat that encircles your abdominal organs, like the liver and intestines and pancreas. And that fat is very unique. You see, obesity per se is not the problem, aside from stress to weight-bearing joints. But it is not inflammatory. If you were to biopsy abdominal fat, you would see that it has white blood cells interspersed among the fat cells. That is, it is inflamed. And abdominal visceral fat 
releases inflammatory mediators. These are cytokine proteins such as interleukins and tumor necrosis factor. These enter the bloodstream and export inflammation to other parts of the body like the liver or the heart, the coronary arteries or the carotid arteries or the brain or the skin. So the inflammation of abdominal visceral fat can be experienced in other parts of the body. Abdominal visceral fat is also the source of insulin resistance. That is your body's inability to respond to insulin. That is your muscles, your brain, your heart, other organs simply are unable to respond appropriately to insulin. And your pancreas compensates by overproducing huge amounts of insulin, 10 times more, 30 times more, sometimes 100 times more. Now, those high levels of blood insulin cause weight gain in the abdomen, in abdominal visceral fat. So it's a vicious cycle. Insulin resistance from abdominal fat increases levels of insulin. Insulin increases abdominal fat around and around, worse and worse. So all those methods of cutting calories, whether it's smaller portions or pharmaceuticals or bariatric procedures all lead to more loss of subcutaneous fat rather than abdominal visceral fat. You do lose some abdominal visceral fat, but it's, it favors. Calorie reduction favors loss of subcutaneous fat. So even if you lose a substantial amount of weight on any of these calorie-reducing strategies, the benefits are blunted, are not as great as if you took steps to specifically address abdominal visceral fat. So how do you do that? If cutting calories by whatever means is leads to adverse effects like a reduced metabolic rate, weight regain long-term, gallstones, loss of muscle mass, is there a way to lose weight effectively that is specific, that specifically targets abdominal visceral fat, and there's some also subcutaneous fat loss with it, but does not lead to loss of muscle? gallstones, and doesn't make you miserable. Yes. So we're going to follow a diet that addresses these factors, does not cause insulin resistance, does not cause inflammation, does not cause loss of muscle, and does not leave you miserable. That's what we do in my programs, right? We eliminate the foods that raise blood sugar and thereby insulin to high levels. What foods are those? Wheat, grains, and sugars. We address nutrients in modern life that are lacking, not because of the diet, but because of modern lifestyles like magnesium, because we filter our drinking water because we have to, because the water that flows over rocks and minerals in the river is tainted, has sewage, has farm runoff, etc. So we filter our water that removes all magnesium. We have to supplement magnesium. Most of us live indoors and wear clothes when we're outside and often live in northern climates and don't thereby get enough vitamin D. So we supplement vitamin D. Same is true for omega-3 fatty acids that we don't get because we've stopped eating the brains of animals and we can't eat all the fish we'd like because it's tainted with mercury. Likewise, shellfish tainted with cadmium. So we get our fish oil, omega-3 fatty acids from fish oil supplements. And then lastly, iodine. Many people have forgotten just how critical iodine is. Up until 1924, iodine deficiency was a worldwide health crisis. People died of lack of iodine. They developed hypothyroidism and then went into heart failure, gained huge amounts of weight, and then eventually died. That's called myxedema. We've forgotten about that because iodized salt fixed that problem. But we've been told, right, more recently, cut back your salt because the FDA misinterpreted what was going on. They didn't understand that the advice to cut your fat 
eat more healthy whole grains, everything in moderation, all that, cause insulin resistance that causes sodium retention. The problem was not salt. The problem was the increase in insulin resistance and sodium retention due to bad dietary advice and the predatory practices of the food industry. So the solution is not to eliminate salt. It's get iodine. And by the way, we do, uh, we do not limit salt in my programs. We also address the microbiome in my programs because Virtually all modern people have massively disrupted their gastrointestinal microbiomes. We've lost literally hundreds of beneficial species, and the loss of beneficial species has allowed proliferation of unhealthy species. These are mostly fecal microbes with names you likely recognize, like E. coli, Salmonella, Campylobacter, because those are also microbes that cause food poisoning. But fecal microbes, because they've lost the suppressive activity of beneficial microbes, Fecal microbes proliferate, and in many people, by my estimation, one in two or half the country has developed small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, or SIBO, meaning those fecal microbes have ascended into the 24 feet of small intestine. Now, the small intestine is not well equipped to deal with these fecal microbes. It has only a single layer mucus barrier, unlike the colon that is well-equipped to deal with fecal microbes, that has a two-layer mucus barrier. That mucus barrier keeps microbes and food components away from the intestinal cells, intestinal wall. So when fecal microbes invade the small intestine, 24 feet of, of invading microbes, these microbes, of course, live only a few hours at a time. It means that there are trillions of microbes turning over rapidly in the 24 feet of small intestine. And when they die, some of their breakdown products especially something called endotoxin, break through the mucus barrier, get past intestinal cells, and enter the bloodstream. So when endotoxin becomes blood-borne, it's, it's called endotoxemia. Now the liver, the liver receives the first wave of this endotoxemia because the portal venous system drains the intestines and other abdominal organs. So the liver takes a beating when there is endotoxemia. And this is a major contributor to the inflammation of fatty liver as well as to insulin resistance in the liver. Now, the endotoxemia does get past the liver into the general bloodstream, and when it does so, it adds massively to insulin resistance and inflammation body-wide. Now, you know that insulin resistance and inflammation cause weight gain, cause weight gain in the abdomen. So we reverse this situation. We get rid of SIBO, we get rid of endotoxemia, and thereby have a reduction or elimination of insulin resistance and inflammation. And by these means, the diet, restoration of nutrients missing because of modern lifestyles, and addressing the microbiome, but specifically SIBO and endotoxemia, we reverse insulin resistance and inflammation, and you lose visceral abdominal fat selectively. You do lose some subcutaneous fat as well, but you have targeted specifically the worst fat of all, abdominal visceral fat. So you can see, cutting calories seems to make logical sense until you look deeper and you find out cutting calories is a very dangerous practice that no one should be following. Now, if you've learned something from this episode of Defiant Health, I invite you to subscribe through your favorite podcast directory, post a comment, post a review, tell your friends. Let's build this community of like-minded people who are all interested in supporting health without the healthcare system. Thanks for listening.